Welcome to the Crime of the Century podcast, where we expose higher education as the scam that it is. I am Kevin Prenderville, and I believe that because of what we're teaching our students, we're losing an entire generation. Now today, as always, we'll be diving headfirst into controversial subjects, undaunted by political correctness. Now, nobody knows their history anymore. And we live in a world now where everybody's Hitler and the historically ignorant rule these institutions which use half-truths to push a Marxist agenda. So in these times, it is our duty to fight back. And it is up to us, really, to expand our own philosophical and historical viewpoints to deconstruct the great crime of the century. So not a whole lot of people understand what cultural Marxism is. And it comes from a radicalization, as most Marxist things are, a radicalization, bastardization of something that started out innocently enough. And what started out was called uh, relativism, moral relativism, uh, and uh, that, that, that's the best way to put it. Um, it was started by a man uh, named uh, Gottfried Leibniz who in the 1750s was a Germanic philosopher who argued that this was the best of all possible worlds. And his argument basically said, well, there's God and we as humanity, we, uh, we, uh, we as, as humans are made in his image insofar as the fact that we can rationalize. We can see the world as it is, internalize it, rationalize it, and come out with an idea of what is good and bad. And he said, well, humans may be good or bad, but God himself is good, and he is good in all things. So therefore, everything that is created, because it's created by God, that everything is therefore good. Which would mean that anything and anything that happens, because it's the best of all possible outcomes, that everything that happens in this world is good. That Therefore, because this is the best of all possible worlds, um, there is no such thing as a, as, a, as a bad event. So something that would happen, something happened during his life in the 1750s, um, there was an earthquake in Portugal, and it killed uh, over 200 people, I think. A, a lot of destruction and death happened. And he argued, well... Um, that he would argue that that is for the best. Not anything against those people, but for some reason, some unknown reason that would become clear later, that had to happen exactly in the way that it happened. And you can see this argument uh, across people, especially those who try to detract from Christianity or the Judeo-Christian heritage. Um, a lot of the things that they'll say is, well, why is there evil? Why is there war if, if God is good? And the plain and simple answer is that we have free will. I can choose to be bad. I can choose to accept God. I can choose to deny God, in fact. And in fact, I can choose to say I know better than you. And that is the beauty of, of, of being a human, is that we can think. We are independent. We are individuals. So therefore, to say that there's evil, therefore there is no God, is a, a sort of misinterpretation of what Leibniz was saying, um, but the logical counter to his argument. Um, 
Now, I'm not saying God is bad or sadistic or, or in any of those cases. I'm not, nor am I arguing in the case of a, a vengeful God. And I do think he's good, but I think it's work-based, not grace-based. We'll get into that another time. But a basic idea that comes after relativism was started by another German philosopher in the 1880s. Oh, and by the way, history usually says, though, uh, don't listen to the Germans. They're usually wrong. But regardless, um, there was another German uh, philosopher, um, uh, Lichte, who came in the 1880s, who basically said that, and he took from Leibniz, and he said, um, well, everything is as it is, and it's the best of all possible worlds, but he would argue more for rational human beings. And so he said that, we all see things through our own perspective. Okay, that's true. We do. I can be the good guy in, in, one, in, in, in one instance, but in the same story, from somebody else's perspective, I can be the bad guy. That all makes sense. But when you get to where, where, where look they took, that, that's not exactly how it goes because he was saying that because everything is perspective, everything is relative, therefore there is no truth. There is no greater cause that we're all fighting. And you see this a lot in atheistic communities. There is no truth. I can do what I want when I want because there is no truth, therefore there is no morality because to say that somebody, that you have a moral standard means that you've found truth. And we touched on this a little bit in the last podcast. Um, that, that, that there is no truth, so for, for you to say that there is one means that you're lying would have to be the logical conclusion, but we all have a morality. If I go and say I want to sleep with a 14-year-old, that's not okay, and I don't think it's okay. I mean, if you do, you got some problems, but, but regardless, there is some intrinsic morality. We all know it's wrong to kill somebody. We all know it's wrong to commit heinous acts of violence. We don't need a, a school or, or, or someone to, to tell us that. That is inherent. So wouldn't that indicate, therefore, that there is some sort of great truth? There is some great one and only and, 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 and everlasting good, which would then indicate the presence of a God. But I'm not advocating God versus atheism here. What I'm getting to and what I'm driving at, and the entire point to get back to the cultural Marxism, which is even further radicalization of there is no truth. Um, the only truth is there is no truth, right? That inherently doesn't make sense, but the when we get to cultural Marxism, what, what this basically means is that you can, in their view, um, you cannot oppress a certain group of people with a idea structure, with a power structure, um, which would basically mean any any institution, any society that they infect, and any society. You see this a lot in the Soviets, where they get in there, and the, their solution is because all of these all of these power structures are oppressive. You see this in you know feminist movements and all this stuff in colleges today, but. Um, Certainly, we have a better example of the Soviet Union, and their solution was hang the priests, burn their churches, uh, kill the rich, give uh, you know, get their land goes to the government, um, 
Um, and, and, and what do we get out of it? They burn uh, books that they don't like because you can't oppress people. All for the sake of saying there is no truth, but if they're doing all of this based off a moral standard that they're in the right, there's a truth. So inherently the logic is flawed. But you get into the mind of, of these socialists. You can go Hitler, you can go Stalin, Mao, pick one. It doesn't necessarily matter because in their mind, they are the arbiters of truth. They are a god. They know everything. Um, and, and frankly, you give someone that much power, the, the power to determine life and death of groups of people, and, and, and watch what happens, and they will turn into crazy psychopathic killers. And that's exactly what happened in, in all these places. They used the power of government to eliminate groups of people they didn't like because they see the entire world in groups. And it comes back to this moral relativism that everything is relative. So if this group says this, if the Christians say uh, gays can't marry, then they're inherently they're impressing the gays. And so this group is therefore bad. But who's the arbiter of that? Who's, who dictates? Who is so ingenious that they know that one truth that's out there? Whatever it is that we've been searching for since the days of Aristotle and, and, and when we came out of the muck of the swamp. What, who determines that that is true? Is it the government, therefore, uh, in the mind of, so, uh, of the socialist, that the government decides what is right and wrong because they have the ability to point at someone and say, you're oppressive, you don't get to speak. Well, who appointed them? Who anointed them, right? They're, they're just a human being. As far as I'm concerned, all of these people I named, Hitler, Stalin, Mao, all of them, they're dead. If they were gods or some great arbiter of truth, they'd live on forever. They're just like you and I, they, they are dust now. They no longer exist. And, and, and now I'm personally confident they're in hell. Um, but that's again another topic for another day. The idea is everybody here is human. Now, we had Jesus was here, but we killed him. So everybody left is is human. We're all going to die someday, but if we I pursue truth, we'll never be without. And so you get into the mind of these professors, which I, I touched on before getting into the Soviets. And you look at the modern day professor, no real struggles. You know, they, their parents gave them that degree and, and, and in the sense that they paid for it. There was no, you know, they probably lived an upper middle class life and um, they went to college and decided that they were going to go all the way to teaching, which is fine, except they never, no wonder the, 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 the professor recently who was berating the soldier um, on, on social media. Um, this was a small story out, I think in Florida. There was some professor calling uh, a Trump supporter who happened to be a veteran a traitor and he didn't really fight or he must have PTSD or something, all because of this great derangement that they have, right, that we all hear about. Well, it's really, they've never had anything to struggle with. They've never had to wonder where their food is coming from. They never had to sit in a foxhole and, you know, hope that their friend's head didn't get blown up. They, they didn't have any struggle, yet they, they, as self-proclaimed arbiters of truth, they can say, the state declared that obsolete, as in, I declared that obsolete, therefore it doesn't exist. Uh, I'm reminded of the old Twilight Zone episode with the, the uh, librarian, librarian, where the librarian argues that there has to be a God, and he goes back to uh, 
some of the old books and the in the great politician the great orator says the state declared that God doesn't exist therefore God does not exist and that's what we're headed to because you destroy all other means of finding truth and then you declare what is and what isn't and that's where relativism goes because the simple fact is there is one truth and we all will eventually come back to it but much like anarchy where you get rid of everything some new amalgamation of, of, of horrid evil is the only thing left standing uh, as it is very enticing and, and that's what we're headed to so naturally how do we fix this I'm not going to end this on a downer uh, we're all going to die and there's nothing left except for evil because that's just not how the world usually works good for all intents and purposes wins out in the end that's why the Soviets lost that's why the Germans lost that's why the great uh, uh, aristocracy has fallen in Europe and and so we have yet to see evil win in the long run so the very simple solution actually Ben Shapiro talked about this uh, the other day I think it was on uh, Wednesday um, last week in August and um, he talked about a more a need for a moralist resurgence and um, I, w I would agree with that not in the sense that we should uh, you know start uh, not like the Muslims do in Germany where they start whipping Jews and beating up gay people not in that sense the moral resurgence is, is very simple a, uh, a rational moralist resurgence and, and I'll get to this later but in another episode but the idea that we need to get rid of the idea that science and religion are inherently against each other we need to put these two um, together because religion tells us why we're here and science tells us how all of this works you can't I don't think have a productive society without either and so the need for that moral resurgence must be rational and when you realize that there is a truth and there is a system of, of, of morality that we can see and observe and that we've already quantified you're not going to fall victim to any of this stuff that happened in the in the uh, in China and Germany and Soviet Union because you will have already thought logically through all of the uh, quote-unquote oppressive structures that they that they promote um, and, and frankly historical education you know not everybody's Hitler you can't get in the mind of someone like Adolf Hitler and compare him to any politician I am obviously not left-leaning but I would never call someone like Obama Hitler or, or Hillary or, or uh, uh, Kerry or who name any Democrat in the past except for maybe FDR so he was kind of eh, you know but again another topic for another day but uh, removing that one outlier I don't think you can call any American politician Adolf Hitler you cannot get into the mind of somebody that that deranged and that evil and that inherently bad he, he was just a bad person so to su suggest that any one person is Adolf Hitler is, is silly and once you've studied history you'll you'll be able to come to, th to that conclusion and and so that that that's another thing we need to do we need to remember our own history remember what what it means to be an American and and I'm at the same time uh, have a philosophical resurgence nobody knows who John Locke is anymore who if Jefferson is our political father Locke is our political grandfather and so to not even understand some of the philosophical points that they made or are making is a great failure on, on, on the behalf of our educational system 
So next week, as we continue to deconstruct this great uh, crime of the century, we'll get a little bit more into the failings of not only higher education, as we've uh, been talking about for months now, but also how the public schools play into this and how they don't serve the students anymore and how they play into the crime of the century. <laughs>